Hey everybody, this is Eddie Dasis. We're here for another episode on Divine Purpose Podcast. We have a great guest for you today. His name is Claudine Lewis. He's a doctor, so we're excited to have him at Brigham and Roman Hospital, Harvard University in Boston. He trains in open and minimal invasive cardiac surgery and he loves innovation and leadership. So those are my words and we're going to have Claudine talk more about himself. Before we go, let's go with Divine Purpose Podcast with our sponsors. That's it for City Management. Let's go. To maximize the value of your commercial property and achieve optimal productivity and efficiency in your day-to-day business operations, that's where Dacius Facilities Management can help. DFM offers Boston area businesses help in key areas like building and preventive maintenance, handyman services, project and vendor management, and even security consulting at competitive rates. Call Dacius Facilities Management now at 617-237-0106 or visit DaciusFM.com today. Yes, if you're looking for property management, facility management, call them now, 617-237-0106 or go online www.csfm.com. For Divine Purpose Podcast, we have our brand new website, www.dppodcast.com. Check it out, rate our show, and then if you're looking for advertisement, we are here to help you if you look if you want to start your own podcast we do that too and we're definitely gonna help you like i said we have claude and louis with us today claude and how are you today well thank you for having me first and foremost i'm excited to be here and talk a little bit more about all the things that i find interesting <laughs> no definitely and we always appreciate the guests um and we have we've been having wonderful guests you you add to this and and looking at your accomplishment your accolades it's a lot we're gonna dive into it so before let's introduce the show this is divine purpose podcast let's go welcome to the divine purpose podcast where we transport you along one of the more dynamic journeys of life. Have you ever been curious to know what it takes to become a successful leader or about knowing the secrets of life through the Bible? How about engaging in conversation where no topics are off limits? We will take you to new levels with guests who can help you grasp the importance of your calling. Now, here's your host, Eddie Dacius, founder of Dacius Facilities Management. So, um, if you're familiar with this show, there's a famous question we ask to we ask our guests. What can you tell us about you today? All right, I guess I can tell you that um, I'm a cardiothoracic surgeon, and most people actually don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I know what that is. I couldn't even say it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of people um, have heart disease or try to get care for their heart overall. I am a doctor who takes care of your heart, but I perform heart surgery as the method in which I care for your heart. And um, I also operate on every other organ inside of the chest as well. So that includes the esophagus, that includes the trachea. So everything on the inside of your body that's above your waist and below your neck. Wow. So we're going to dive deep into this because um, one question I'll ask, what got you into this? (laughs) 
<laughs> That's a good question. Um, so my mom always told me I'm going to be a doctor and I said, no, no way. So I was considering pharmacy school. I got accepted to pharmacy school. Yeah. But ultimately, I chose not to not to complete it. I didn't even start it. I said, you know what? I think she's right. I think I am going to be a doctor. So um, I, I went and got accepted to Howard University College of Medicine, um, which is in Washington, D.C. Yeah. program. And I've enjoyed my time ever since. And um, once I got there, I started looking into different opportunities that existed. So uh, let, let me ask this question and, and appreciate you being here. Like I said, we, we appreciate you coming here uh, with us um, on Divine Purpose Podcast. Let's talk about three challenges in an event in your life and how did they challenge you? So I say a challenging event was uh, my mentor. Um, her name is Marley Delaurier. She was a physician, um, an emergency physician, and she trained at Howard University. So that's the place where I went to medical school. I was following after her. Unfortunately for her, she had got liver failure and she had got a disease called Guillain-Barre syndrome. It made her quite weak and it made it impossible for her to do her job. She was in and out of the hospital and ultimately she passed away. And that was a very, very Sorry uh, to hear that. Time. Yeah, you know, uh, this is someone who um, was my mentor, was someone, was the only person in my life that's ever done um, medicine that I was uh, looking into and I chose to go where she went. She's always been a support for me, a sponsor for me, um, someone I can talk to in regards to this field. Um, it, it is in her honor that I have decided to keep pushing past um, as I find things difficult, as the days are long, um, yeah. pushing past. And I, I draw in the strength that she has had um, mm. struggles in order for me to get through mine. So, you know, being a heart surgeon is very small compared to people who are suffering from different diseases and who are fighting hard to live every day. So um, this is I'm going to take you a little bit deeper on this because we had guests talking about it was hard to find mentorship. It was hard to find somebody to look up to because the field they are in, nobody in their family, not even doing it, they probably the point uh, like the first to go to college. How was your process to find a mentor or somebody who can kind of help you know the the road and then help you get events? That is correct. Mentorship is quite difficult um, and is very small. And I have found that as a youthful age, I have become a mentor for others. But the question is, who was there when it was my turn, when it was yeah. my time? You know, to be honest with you, there's a lot of people who may not be in your exact field. Yeah. who may serve as a coach. So a coach is a, probably a new terminology I would um, share with the, the guest that is listening to me today. A coach is not necessarily someone who is doing exactly what you're doing. They may not be doing anything at all. What they are doing is able to use translatable, transferable skills. Yeah. Because doing many of the things we do, there's there are some similarities, you know, 
You work hard, you read a book, you answer questions on a test, you pass the test. Now, there are some specifics that makes being a physician different than being a lawyer. But, you know, actually having a lot of the background and the fundamental understanding of I need to set set aside some time to study. I need to yeah. focus on the task at hand. How do I challenge myself and, and how do I survive? Um, the issues that are in front of me, how do I prioritize my schedule? Believe it or not, yeah. there's more than enough people who can actually help um, with those uh, responsibilities. But as it pertains to medicine or things like being in law school, if yeah. you were to literally walk on campus, you will find someone who themselves at some point were in your shoes and can better direct you. So, and thank you for your answer because uh, looking at this, uh, where I'm looking at your path, let, let's take a let's take a uh, let's go back, let's go back a little bit, let's try to relax. So this question is usually mostly uh, focused on your childhood memory. What what was your favorite childhood memory? My favorite childhood memory was being back at home uh, with my older sisters and my parents, having no responsibilities. Um, and I, dare I say it, you know, uh, playing games, you know, <laughs> like in a completely no stress environment. Yeah. Food is being cooked. My dad is probably outside. Um, doing the yard or, you know, outside activities he likes. Other people find it as a task. And me, myself, in my greatest habitat, in the back of the house with the TV on and the games playing and just playing games amongst friends, you know? So what were you talking about? Like uh, Nintendo? That well, is what correct. Type of console? That is correct. That is correct. Nintendo, um, I'm, I'm mostly a, a Sony PlayStation um, okay. person. Um, although I do have uh, the Microsoft Xbox and I get it. People right now are saying, you know, yeah, like <laughs> you got to choose, you know, man. Including, you got to choose. Can I have both, man? Well, well, you know, I, let me challenge you for a second. You know, there's yeah. something called hand-eye coordination. And right yeah. now I'm a surgeon. So it, it's very possible that working with my hands started by being tactile and, and using it for certain timings of games that were played. Yeah. And now I operate on people's hearts. So that's that's a great uh, that's an interesting aspect. Uh, you kind of mentioned this. Um, I, I was reading an article about um, they were saying video games allow like people to excel at work. Can you attest to that? Or oh, let's talk about transferable skill. I know a lot of people play a lot of video games, and now we're talking about AI. We're talking about. Um, robot helping in surgery. Can you tap into this? Yeah, I, I am a strong believer in transferable skills. And I'll go over a couple of the concepts. For one, we talked about video games. Okay, that may not be everybody's forte, but another thing that works very, very well is sports. Actual playing sports. Yeah. A perfect example. You have a young man who says, I want to go into the NFL, right? Which yeah. I personally believe is a lottery, but I, I played some high school football. Okay. And you got to put in your time. You got to put in your reps. Yeah. You meet expectations. You got to learn the playbook. You got to get in the gym and you got to do your reps. 
and you do a little bit more reps, you get a bit, little bit stronger. You have to have okay. discipline. You got to improve on your dieting. And before you know it, you have pen and paper and you're saying, okay, I went to the gym on these five days out of the week. I was there for about an hour and a half. I did, you know, 100 sit-ups, 50 push-ups. You, you have a list of the things that you've done. Yeah. That's no different than my time in med school. You know what med school looks like? Okay, you woke up, you ate breakfast, you went to a quick lecture, and then you downloaded the PowerPoints and you read the PowerPoints two times. And you studied the sentences that were there, the things you didn't understand. Yeah. More time on it. It's no different in exercising except you're exercising your brain. Mm, wow great great to hear clone and uh, already you you point some great insight knowledge to to the to our audience so let's talk about accomplishment which of your accomplishment you the proudest i would probably say the most uh, proud accomplishment i have is being um inducted in a medical society called alpha omega alpha interesting enough um in medical school the top i would say around 10% gets inducted into this honor society medical yeah. not easy as you can imagine and you have everyone next to you left right they're all very very smart people yeah and when it came time you know for everyone to be announced that they were inducted you wouldn't believe what happened i looked at the list <laughs> guess yeah. what my yeah. name my name was not there that what was, yeah 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 i was i was definitely up there but it's very possible that i that i missed it by one point or by one person um that was the greatest experience i've ever had why mm. it, it not only not only did it did it humble me which is necessary it is it's very important to be humbled in the line of work that you do because yeah. you know at the end of the day um none of these things are in a vacuum they're all building character and they all create who you are so yeah. guess what guess how hard i worked on the next things i did for the next five years six seven years i worked very very hard you know so when i got into residency i got into ct surgery and, and that's a whole story i can probably talk about maybe i'll have a short version but i, I got into ct surgery and it's a six-year program and during my sixth year so this is six years after medical school they have this opportunity to be inducted by that same society again yeah. but it's much harder so in med school 10% of people get accepted so let's say it's 100 in your class maybe 10 yeah, 10. yeah. now in residency they take two people every year and there's at least 3,000 4,000 5,000 residents mm. well in 2022 I was one of two people and my name uh, <laughs> your congrats oh. man congrats so that's that's uh and I, i like to hear the stories because it's fuel your motivation you know you even this different um industry but you can take that lesson and help you go keep going so i would go with this question where i'm picturing you in high school right you probably playing football what was your dream job in high school compared to now i know what you're doing now but what was your dream job in high school you know believe it or not um so i went to a technical arts high school i was in the health academy 
Yeah. My mom knew what she was doing. <laughs> you mm. know, she, she always ordered my steps, I would say. So my mom has done a great job with me. Having said that, um, I went to the same school that my sisters went to. Okay. And I'm five years and seven years younger than two of them, than them two. And um, as I was in high school, I always thought my career would be the director of pharmacy. Mm. And I would do that in Miami at um, at Jackson Memorial Hospital. Okay. That's literally what I thought my job would be. And when I went to undergrad, I did do pharmacy technician. I, 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 I literally walked into CVS. I was hired on the spot. And in six Six months, I passed the certification. I didn't, I didn't do the school for it. I just passed the certification. And you were allowed back then without going to training, without any school um, for, for technical class to become a pharmacy technician. Okay. And, that, and then I got accepted in pharmacy school. And ultimately, mm. never went. So I thought I was going to be directing pharmacy. So, maybe. so uh, for, for the audience, so which state you grew up in? Is it Florida or Massachusetts? So I grew up, born and raised in Miami, Florida. Okay. Haitian descent. You know, mm. both my parents born and raised in Haiti. Um, I myself have visited um, a couple of times, but I was born in Miami with my two older sisters and my father as well. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Massachusetts is only a place I've been in for this one year. Okay. For a goal, but I'm going back to Florida when this is all over. All right. So let, let's let's talk a, a little bit more about your parents because um, we, we I'm Haitian too. We have a, a bunch of Haitian as a guest. They they're doing great things. So one thing I like about this podcast, we are. Putting the light in on in these people journey experience because we have great Asians in the community doing great things uh, like you. Um, let's talk about parents, our parents' dedication to education and dedication for our success. What was their life? Yeah, you know, um, you know, my parents um, immigrated when um, so my oldest sister who was born in 1979. Um, So between 1979 and 1982, they came to America. I was born in 1987. Um, interestingly enough, um, as my parents were here, they spoke a lot of Creole with my two yeah. older sisters. <laughs> and then, I know, you're going to hear what I'm saying. <laughs> then they started speaking English with me. So, you know, I did go to Haiti and they did laugh at me. So I realized that, oh, you know what? I probably have to step up with my Creole, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that, um, my parents have always believed in education. Yeah, um, but my mom made it a priority in supplementing everything that I needed and sacrificing herself for it. So if there was ever a book that I needed, it, that book will be paid for. Um, mm. Anything that supplemented my education, even as it pertains to swimming, because believe it or not, one of my earliest memories as well as a child was I went to the beach with my family and I started to drown. My father had me. In, in less than five seconds because he knows how to swim. And my mom said, well, you know what? For the next three years, I'm going to pay for you to do summer um, uh, swimming lessons. Wow. And then I essentially, you know, went to the lifeguard level. And before you know it, I was doing snorkeling and all types of things that those programs, you know, provided. Like my mom went and found programs that will supplement as it pertains to 
and with and outside of education. And she did the same thing um, as it pertained to education. So year round, I was seeing different things. I would be in school. And then that summer, it's like, all right, well, what do you want to do? Educationally, of course. And I'm like, all right, well, let's do that summer program at the high school when I'm in med- when I'm in middle school. And then when I was in high school, it was okay, let's do some college courses. Mm. Enrollment. So my mom, she fed it. Now, granted, I probably supplemented having some level of interest. Yeah. She saw that. She didn't force it on me, otherwise it wouldn't work. You know? But um, yeah, yeah. I can see how she definitely supplemented what I, I was looking for. So some people we will not even think about like parents he and where they are very dedicated for their children's success. But when did you realize that your mom was doing all these things to set you for success? You know, I realized quite early that my mom was doing this because this is something she's been doing since I was in elementary school. Like my mom really focused on my education. And what I think really pushed her is she realized that th- there were a couple things that I was doing very well and I wasn't putting much of any effort. Yeah. You know, and, and that was math. So for her, it was she saw me excelling in math. And, and at one point I was getting in trouble. Nothing too big. I was a young, yeah. I was a young kid in class, and I was having a problem with a teacher. And then she was like, "What's going on?" And I said, "He's putting wrong answers on the board, <laughs> <laughs> like that, yeah. just like that." <laughs> yeah, it was a problem for me, you know. But yeah. let let's um, let me ask you this because you feel like you you understood the path you were going in. But do you have any quote from your mom when, but I know a lot of Haitians, they have quotes about education, things they repeat over and over and they got kind of stuck in your mind. Maybe when you were in college, you probably did something and then something, I don't know if you can recall anything that your mom, it can be Creole, doesn't matter. So just... Is there anything your mom always said? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's something my mom always said, and it's in English, actually. She said, no one can take away your education. She said, yeah. you can lose your house, you can lose your money, your education is always an investment. Mm. You accomplish it, no one can take it away, not the government, not anything, you know? And I always said to myself, well, that's true. I, I probably took it to the next level because now I love school too much, and a lot of people tell <laughs> me out of it, you know? Um, nah. But having said that, yeah, that's what she So, great. Thank you for sharing this. Um, What is one, what is the most important lesson you have learned over your career so far? Yeah, you know, I I think the biggest lesson I've learned is your story is not over. You know, Um, we're, we're all a work in progress, but I think it's important to put one foot in front of the other. If you ever say I am a work in progress and that's yeah. sufficient, that's not the right answer. The right answer is I'm a work in progress and these are my tangible next steps. Mm. I personally believe it's important to invest in people knowing what your dreams are. Okay. Because when you put that out there, don't hide it. When you put that out there, I want to go to medical school their memories will hold you responsible and you need to be held responsible. If you tell no one when it's time for you to quit, you have no issues because mm. no one was invested. No one knew that story. They never even seen that in you, that you had those aspirations and those dreams. So imagine having a wedding and you have no one invited. 
when you if you get a divorce, when you get yeah. a divorce, no one was invested in, in knowing this hidden thing that you that you didn't show the world. So therefore, it's easy to break those ties. I think it's important to try to get a community behind your efforts. So and I like I like this answer. Um, let, let's talk about support. I know Haitian they really support us in terms of when we're doing good things. What was the level of support you got from your parent family? That's a good question, and and this one unfortunately it really varies. You know, per family, per different ideology. However, they were personally raised. This is not a cultural thing. This really is different. I've lost some great friends um, who wanted to pursue medicine and, and have unfortunately not been um, supported. So they've went into different things. Sure, um, they're probably enjoying what they're doing. They may be accomplishing it. They may be completely fine and happy. But when it came to my dreams. Um, medicine in America is costly, unfortunately. And my mom said, look, you can have my social security number. You can get a loan under my name for thousands of dollars and have like no interest in paying it back un until these things are all in order, until you're ready. And there's a chance that I could have failed and not be able to pay back. My mom was willing to take that risk on me. I can name it mm. two friends of many friends I have, at least two friends whose parents said, we're not raising medical doctors. Unfortunately for them, they didn't have those same opportunities. So it, it is a blessing um, that my parents were willing to put themselves on the line and risk, you know, future housing and, and their own aspirations to see me successful. Of course, they're going to get their money back. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, it's, Yeah. If if we really take the time to realize what's the goal here, I want mm. the best for my child. So if anyone's hearing my voice today, think about what's the goal here. E even if you say to yourself, you know, such and such may not be taking things seriously, but your goal is that you want to see them successful. You've got to consider investing in them. Wow. Wow. Well said. Well said. So Is it, do you have a wish list, like things like you wish to, um, let me ask you this first. Is there one thing you wish you know before, like, like you, that will set you maybe five steps ahead <laughs> before you got into medical school or this career? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of different programs that exist. For instance, there's undergraduate schools where you get a bachelor's and a medical degree at the same time. But to be honest with you, I'm not even sure if I was to have done um, med school combined with my uh, bachelor's degree that I would have been mentally and mature enough and ready for that. Yeah, so I think everything happens for a reason. Okay. I'm, I'm not walking around currently with a wish list or um, regrets per se. I think everything kind of built, you know, who I am today. I'm excited about the path and the process. Um, had I quit something, that would have been my regret. I think it's important okay. to focus on what makes you happy and not quit because by the time you start going deeper in the process and you're unhappy, it you'll go back to that day and say, I wish I would have done X, Y, Z. Don't wish. Tomorrow, do the thing. You know? Yeah. Um, excited. So this is Dr. Claude and Lewis, um, MD, MHA, MPH, MS is a cardiothoracic surgeon at Bay Care Winter Haven Hospital, Bustic Heart Center. 
Dr. Lewis is a native of Miami who received his under, undergraduate training at Florida State and Nova South, Southern University. He received a master in biomedical science at Barry University, master of public health at John Hoskins University, and a master of health administration at Massachusetts General Hospital Institute, MGH. Did I miss anything? <laughs> No, I think you covered more than enough. I, I apologize for such a long. No, 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 no. That's that's good. That's good, and I appreciate it because we 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 have a doctor in the house. You know, <laughs> we have hot topic. We're gonna go into hot topic. Hot topic is a great segment. But before we get to hot topic, let's talk about um, sports. Can you draw uh, like a line between sports and your field? I know you talk about uh, football, but uh, it's mostly talking about transferable skills. But um, is there one thing you feel like it's aligned to exactly what you're doing but by taking the sport example? So a good example for me is um, I remember when I was uh, going to medical school, I was like, okay, let me find something that's interesting. And um, before cardiothoracic surgery was a thought, I was thinking of orthopedic surgery. So yeah. orthopedic surgery, spine, knees, legs, all the you know physical motions, yeah. all those bones and joints. So those are the surgeons that takes care of that, right? Yeah. So I then started noticing that for some reason, the orthopedic surgeons, um, a, a quite a few of them were all six feet tall, six feet two, muscular. And I'm saying <laughs> to myself, why is it that the orthopedic yeah. surgeons look like football players. And then that's when I realized that a lot of the orthopedic surgeons, not all of them, and I am definitely not saying that that's the only thing the field has. They have great people. Um, but you'll look and you'll see that a lot of them who want to take care of people in sports were in sports themselves. Okay. And then you have to say to yourself, is it possible that all these sport people were just so gifted in knowledge and smart? The answer, of course, is yes, but more importantly is it's the transferable skills. When mm. people were in sports, they had to have a level of discipline, they had to have a schedule that they stuck to, and they took yeah. it very seriously. And all of those things are all transferable. All right, all right. So let, let's take a break uh, before uh, and come back with Dr. Lois. Um, this is Eddie Dasis, DJI Pepper's Podcast. Thank you. What comes before making a smart decision? Choices. A smart choice is the best option, which is who we are. That's why our clients expect more from us and, in return, get more in everything we do. We understand the problem. That's why we thrive for excellence. We don't just create a winning culture. We aspire to be a smart choice, a voice for solutions. We believe in integrity, professionalism, and teamwork. Our passion is to bring results from our clients by working harder, smarter, and faster. As a team, we always deliver because we recognize your needs. Choosing smart influences us to be the best version of ourselves. That makes us different than other companies. It makes us confident in achieving our goals. It makes us who we are. And it makes us DFM, the smart choice. 
Yes, uh, like promised, we, we're back with Dr. Claude and Lewis. Um, we're excited to have him here because he's going to tell us more about his journey and uh, everything started. Like you hear before, he, he played football. But he, he draw a great line between um, sport and his his medical field now. So let me let me ask you this question, um, Doctor um, Doctor Lewis. Can you give me the roadmap for medical school? We have like we have thirty minutes. Like take your time. <laughs> the roadmap for medical school. Talking about the. A, num- a number of years where you can start maybe okay say let's take with your journey take us to you going to the medical school or was it and i'm gonna ask you more questions about that this is um this is a great question i think that gonna give our audience a lot of information yeah, so in medical school in America, because it's different in different countries, as you can imagine, um, typically we'll start with you going after high school and getting a bachelor's degree of some sort. And those bachelor's degree would typically have some type of science courses. Yeah. Um, but you'll get usually a four year bachelor's degree. And after a bachelor's degree, um, which ends in either BS or BA, some type of bachelor's of science or bachelor of arts, then you get accepted into medical school. And medical school for a majority of medical schools are four year programs. Okay. There are some that are, th- well, a very few are three, but for the most part, it's usually always four years and you graduate with a medical doctorate. Now, you can take a year off to do research if you think that that's gonna be very useful for you. Um, Why would you do research? Well, it may help you um, if you're gonna get into a certain field. It gives you, start to build your resume and get some things done that can show you that you can manage those other opportunities. Yeah. But that would be medical school in a bunch. You can also get a PhD at the same time, Mm. or you can get an MBA. So. You can add more years to do more things. So we're talking eight years now. We are talking eight years now. Yeah. Eight years now. So not even residency, all that, right? That is correct. So um, (laughs) let's say you graduated high school at 18 and you did your bachelor's, you were done. Mm -hmm. Add four more years after the bachelor, that takes you to 26. So that's med school at 26. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then let's say that that's true, and then now you do residency. Residencies yeah. could be anywhere from three to seven years. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, okay, so why three to seven? So it depends on the type. There's many different doctors, many, 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 many different doctors. You mm. can be a medical doctor who treats most patients who shows up in the hospital admitted. Yeah. You can be an emergency room doctor who treats yeah. emergencies and stabilizes them. Or you can be a trauma surgeon who treats his emergencies, but in a surgical way. Okay. Um, you can do what I'm doing, which is cardiothoracic surgery. Okay. So there's many different specialties that you can do. Some require three, which is most of the medicine types of doctors. Yeah. If you want to do cardiology, that's three more after the first three. If you want to do pulmonology, that's in like another three after the first three. So those are six-year programs. And so we're me, talking about 10 years total. Like if you're doing this, you're taking this surgeon route. If, you're, if you want to be a surgeon, 
there's usually no way faster than at least five years after medical school. If you want to be, let's say, general surgeon, that's five years. If you want to do cardiothoracic surgery like I did, it can be anywhere from six to 10 years. So, <laughs> 18 years, is, is, that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Well, wow. you know, I'm not I'm not in a rush to die soon, so <laughs> I, I will tell you I'm not counting as long as the days are nice and happy and I'm wow. enjoying experiences. But yeah, it is correct that um if you do four years of bachelor's after 18 of high school, that makes you 22. Four years of med school might take you to 26. <laughs> and then let's say you want to be an internal medicine physician, that's three years. You'll be done at 29. Let's say you want to be a cardiothoracic surgeon, it may take seven to 10 years after med school. school. So 26 to let's say another 10 years, the latest, 36 years old. 36 old. Or you could be younger. It could be a little bit younger. So I I was able to get into a faster track for cardiothoracic surgery. So I didn't do 10 years. I didn't do seven. I did six. But that is six years after medical school. That's correct. Wow. So that gave us a great, um, great uh, incentive to get into hot topics. Let's quickly go hot topic with Dr. Lewis. So I did the math. We're talking about four years to get a bachelor and then four years for medical school. And after that, you're probably going to do three to 10 years. So financially, let's talk about it, too. (laughs) So what's the commitment financially? What's the commitment financially? It's a big commitment. <laughs> that is correct. It is likely a large commitment. So in um, cardiothoracic surgery, for instance, um, all of these years, you're not necessarily working as a cardiothoracic surgeon. You're working as a resident. And a resident will get paid anywhere from fifty to 95000 a year. But you're going to put in during residency close to 80 hours. So it's like working two full-time jobs for, you know, okay pay. And when you divide it out, the per hour is not really great. But no one becomes a physician counting the numbers like this. And it's also an investment. So it probably isn't fair to look at it the exact same way. Um, But having said that, in medical school, most people are borrowing. And in residency, you're not at your fullest potential. So you can graduate owing anywhere from 150 to 500,000. So, and if we're talking about investment, we should talk about return on investment. When, when do you start seeing that return? We're talking 18 years. Let's go to the fullest. 18 years after high school. When do you see the return on investment? On the 18th year. <laughs> actually, actually. So the moment you complete your residency, yeah, you would have completed your board certification yeah. training. And that's pretty much it. You know, you take your exams for that and you're done. Mm, so uh, this is a good question. I never asked a doctor. So who is a doctor's doctor? <laughs> What I mean is, who's your doctor? So do you guys consult yourself or you you go 
<laughs> what is it? Uh, the, there is there is some self consulting um, for sure, um, but it's frowned upon to self consult yourself and then you know fill your own medications unless it's medically necessary. Um, but again, there there is there is leeway there. The truth of the matter is is that um, a lot of us are able to to treat ourselves because in the basics of medicine we kind of learn all of the different parts even outside of our own specialty we spend time rotating every single type of uh training so um between our training we're familiar with most things having said that it's 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 most likely that most physicians just go to their partners in the hospital or have like a little courtesy consultation with any physician at their hospital okay so that's the way you guys do it yeah, pretty uh, much. <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, let, let, let's talk about this. Um, where, what is it? So, how do you guys get a job? Like, is it you apply like normal people, or what is it? What's the process? Yeah, that's correct. You do apply like normal people in order to get a job. Um, but a lot of people will say, hey, you know, there's an opening here. You should consider it. Or there's someone that actually is getting paid to coordinate job offers and job availabilities. And they're communicating with the the resident hospitals and saying, hey, we have openings at these places. They'll have a career fair where they'll bring some of the employers over and say, hey, such and such place is hiring. Now, hiring me as a cardiothoracic surgeon is different than hiring a different specialty where you may be looking for like almost 10 different people at the same time. Since what I do is a little bit more specific um, and, and, and there's only a few of us in every single hospital, um, hiring me means you want to get to know me and see if I'm a good fit and stuff like that. Whereas hiring others, you may want to know more about their credentials and more about their training and, you know, have they met um, the minimums? Do they have different experiences? Things like that. So I, I would imagine that there's a lot of traveling aspect of it where you might find an opportunity in like maybe another state. So is there so the, my question would be do you guys consider this as part of it or is there like a serving package where you have they give you housing they give you everything to be at the hospital um you mean like after after um looking for a job outside of residency yeah well i i will tell you if such a thing exists i I am not that guy yet. <laughs> okay, okay. So I am not privileged to any of those things. Now, certainly, those things are possible. But yeah. that's the difference between LeBron James and someone just coming into the the basketball game themselves. Me, okay. as a as a young man um, who's a physician in in this field, um, would not be getting anything fancy like that. And and those usually are not part of the deal. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it could be that you're bringing someone on whose experience has been a physician for many years, has done all the years that I told you about just in their training. And they add so much value to your institution that bringing them on board means you have to give a little bit more than the average. Then, yeah, those things do exist. There are some world renowned people um, in our fields who are doing some amazing things. Um, so certainly those things are possible. 
but not likely and not usual. So are you saying that you can be 36 after your, after 18 years high school, 18 years, you're 36, right? And you're still a Wookiee? <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Being, being a physician in my specialty, for instance, you are a rookie the year you come out. There's nothing about you that um, makes you great per se. You've had great training, but you need to work well with others. Absolutely, you are a rookie. So when, when, when do you become seasoned? <laughs> How many years? Like, please give me some years. I will. I will say um, that I have been told that most people in my specialty are comfortable five years in at least. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Five years. Mm. So we're talking like forty-one. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps perhaps <laughs> so yeah. so uh, this is great this is great hopefully you had fun with um with um hot topic um let, let's let's um let's close it with this question what is what kept you going in terms of motivation well i'll be honest with you something that has kept me going that i, I probably won't tell everybody this um is being told i can't do it yeah mm. being told i can't do it because either there's not enough people that look like me who's doing it or you know who am i to be doing this thing and then pushing through it that motivates me that that keeps me up at night in a positive way you know, that's the reason why I'll read that book. That's the reason why I'll look at that third chapter twice. That's the reason why I'll look at that presentation. That gives me the energy to contact the professor, to ask that last question. That's the reason why I'm not shy anymore. Because if when I'm told I can't do it or it's not for me, they give me all the energy to prove them otherwise. Wow. Well said. Well said. So this is Dr. Claude and Lois with Hot Topic. So we, we have a new segment. It's a try. We, we don't have anything yet for it, but we're going to try it with um, Dr. Lewis today. So this segment called Trust Me, I Know. So is there something you feel like you you have the, you, you, you pay your dues, you have the knowledge, and you know you know this. <laughs> like nobody, like like your mom said, nobody can take your education. Is there like a quote you can share with the audience where it's not bragging because you put the you put the work, but um, to say something that maybe you say you're the best. I don't know. So it's up to you. So. <laughs> put me on the spot <laughs> i do man trust yeah, me gonna, i know it's, you're, it's you're, just about you're that out of my, uh, you're gonna take me out of my humble element <laughs> um interesting 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 you know I, I won't say i know leadership very well but it's something that i've been working on while training at the same time i think leadership is incredibly important and I think it's really necessary because you can be a good doctor and be inefficient, 
you can be it could be very difficult for you to um, get the people who are working with you yeah be as motivated um, or buy in to what it is that you're building what it is that you're growing so having good leadership skills is important and I feel as though even without some of the raw training, I do have some elements of being a good leader. And, and I'll give you an example. Most of a very important example to me is being willing to do the work that you are asking of others. Mm. Literally being willing to actually do the work that you are asking others to do, being in the trenches with them, you know? Yeah. Imagine you're a chef, but you come in early enough and you're broom in hand, mop in hand. Yeah. Cleaning outside before the guest gets there. That is the type of leader that I value. Not because he knows how to cook, but because he's willing to take part, roll up his sleeves and get the work done. Mm. Wow, I I think I think you nail it, man. You learn and you and you nail it. Trust me, I know it was great. So trust me, I know it's a segment where you talk about things nobody can take away from you. In your case, Dr. Lewis is leadership. So let's get to a fun segment now. So the segment is about things you like to do when you're not studying, when you're not at the hospital. If I catch you somewhere, what would I find you doing? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. The answer was reading a book earlier or something crazy like that. But having said that, now that I'm um, I'm leaving Massachusetts, I'm in Florida. Really, I've been into learning more about water sports, you know, um, mm. being on a jet ski, being on a boat. Um, I've never been fishing before. That's something that I, I'm, I'm going to be working on very soon. Um, I think those things I find quite interesting. Do you, would you think that um, having a hobby is is great where uh, to take your mind out of, out of things? Um. I think having having a hobby is great. Um, I guess for me, again, it's still transferable skills because if I'm going to go fishing and my friends are going to be with me, I want to get a bigger fish, you know, or I, I want to do a good job with the things I'm doing. One thing in particular that I'm going to be working on soon is golf. You know, oh, I know I'm not gonna, so yeah, guess yeah. What? now I get to use that opportunity to build, to learn, to learn, yeah, be at the bottom and, you know, take ownership of my results, you know, and I know they're going to be bad. <laughs> no, nah, no. Nah. So like I said, uh, that's great because that's something I'm into um, golf too. I'm trying to get in. So I just went to do a vacation with family, a friend of group, a friend, uh, a group of friends and we, we golf we wasn't we golf a little bit and it was great so if you massachusetts if you're in boston let me know <laughs> let me know so um any book you will recommend our audience you said book yeah books yeah any like two books you can recommend our audience yeah you know honestly um I think a couple of books that I will recommend will be a non-traditional book. Um, and, and that book is the Bible. Believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, I'm going to go way back. Mm. I'm going to recommend something that's, uh, that's non-traditional at all. I think um, the, that book has given me strength and has helped me um, through tough times and whatnot. Um, um, for me in particular, I really like Psalms and I really like the Proverbs. I think that they have done well for me, you know, looking at other people's experiences and yeah. or the teachings that have been summed up. 
um, over the years. I would probably say that those um, those books have done well. But more than reading books, I've as crazy as this may sound, I, I watch a lot of TV as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Let, let's yeah. talk about that. That was that was my next question. Is it movies or just TV show? Um, I'd probably say two things. Uh, movies aren't bad at all. The problem is I only watch it one time. I don't really, I don't do a lot of <laughs> repeating movies. So unfortunately, what? I have really? no idea where I'm watching. I don't know why I'm like that. I, I like to see something new and, and I get wild the first time. So okay. unfortunately, it's always going to be a TV series that draws me in more. And I will say there are two types. Mm. One type is kind of like, a social media type of series. Okay. Not just kissing stuff. I'm talking about, believe it or not, I get laughed at all the time. Big Brother, Survivor, like competitive TV series where one person is trying to win amongst a group of 20. Now, let me tell you why. Okay. I find that interesting because when you put people in a room to fight for themselves, you start to see certain themes arise. Mm. You start to learn people's true colors. You start to learn what skill sets they have. And in most cases, these programs you're watching, their goal is to remove someone from the TV show by kicking them out and then still getting them to vote for them. Imagine the type of person you need to be like you need to present yourself in such a way that even as you win gracefully, someone yeah. is willing to support you when their um, life in the game comes to an end, sometimes by your own hand. They need to respect your work and your craft that much. Now, granted, it doesn't always work that way, um, but that's one example. And then the other one is sci-fi. I, I, really, I really like some completely out of this world um, types of TV shows, not just because they're crazy, but because the world has different rules, you know, gravity is a different planet or, you know, people are able to fly. I get it. Sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Uh, favorite Haitian food? Uh, I say D. Jonjo. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good one. Good one. Good one. So, Doctor, so last word for you. I think we we cover everything and we had a great time with you. This is Dr. Cloden Lewis um, on Divine Purpose Podcast. Last word for you. Well, uh, thank you for having me. I think it's important for us to, you know, reach our goals by pushing, putting one foot in front of the other. If you fall down six times, make sure you get up seven. And that's it. You know, there's nothing fancy about this. As long as you plan on being alive, use that time wisely. All right. All right. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you, doctor. We appreciate it. This is Eddie Dasis with Divine Purpose Podcast. Please check us online. Go on divinepurpose.com. Go on our YouTube channel. Go on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Podbean and listen to our episode every Wednesday. Thank you. Appreciate it.